Welcome back to WBAI. This is Driving Forces, your weekly news show where we focus on the big issues in city, state, and national politics, the issues that matter to you. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and I am joined today by the inimitable host, Celeste Katz-Marston. Celeste, how are you doing today? Always happier once I hear your voice, Jeff. (laughs) So, Lots going on in the news. I know what I've been focused on, which is the anniversary, believe it or not, the 10-year anniversary of Superstorm Sandy, the upcoming midterm election, so much going on. What's been on your mind today? What are you obsessed with in the news? Well, you know what? I'm kind of thinking about, I never imagined a, a future where I would say this, but I've been thinking about Elon Musk a few, a, a little bit, I would say, between uh, what's going on with Twitter, what appears to be uh finally happening after all this drama, but also this news about uh, another investigation into Tesla and whether they had overpromised people on the reality versus the limitations of autopilot of self-driving cars. I, I don't know. I just I find that a fascinating story, Jeff. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know what? I've been uh, following some news uh, only because I had just met someone a few weeks ago uh, in New York City. The uh, Mayor Eric Adams just announced that Laura Kavanaugh will now lead the New York City Fire Department. This is the first time mm-hmm. in the city's, uh, in the agency's 157 year history that a woman will lead the FDNY. I had met her at a 9 11 wreath laying ceremony, Celeste, and I just thought she was fantastic, very well respected in the organization. That's, I mean, it's very local news, but it is, you know, it's a groundbreaking here in the city. And I thought that was important to mention today. Yeah, I think that's a really big deal. And, you know, we've been talking about more diversity and more representation in uh, uniformed services, including the fire department for a very long time. Uh, You know, people have written books about this. People have studied this for a long time. So I think it's a measure of progress that we are finally seeing a woman in charge of what traditionally has been a very male and a very white uh, uniformed service. Yeah, and there's been reports that have also come out recently in New York City about the disparity in pay in a number of different city agencies uh, comparing uh, white versus non-white employees. Uh, that's something we'll continue to see in the news and actually a topic that maybe you and I should look into one day here on the show. We definitely, definitely should. And uh, you asked me what was top of mind. And I, yeah, I've been reading some stuff about Tesla and Twitter and so on. But uh, I do want to mention that I've also been reading about this, uh, what they're calling triple-demic now, potential triple-demic, because the world needs more problems. New York needs more problems. So we're looking at this, this perfect storm thing of covid uh, flu and RSV. And the thing that it kind of freaks me out about this a little bit is that you can't tell which one you have if you got sick necessarily. You could test for COVID at home. Uh, you know, flu, I think more people are familiar with. RSV is scary, especially for little kids. And I, I think from what I understand, the one that you cannot get vaccinated for is RSV. And of course, Jeff, this is all tied up with sort of, uh, 
you know, how much it helped, how much it hurt uh, debate about the precautions that we took during the pandemic, which I don't think were wrong. I don't think that isolation was wrong for people who could do it. I don't think masking was wrong. I don't think vaccination is wrong. But, you know, now now we're kind of coming out of uh, coming out of that cocoon and uh, the picture doesn't look all that gorgeous. Yeah, it's just, I mean, what's been reported is that even in the city, that cases have been kind of steady, except hospitalizations have been increasing significantly here, which has just been amazing. So let's, uh, we're going to get to the topic of the day, because I think our listeners are going to weigh in on this. And in the second half of the show, we're giving the whole second half of the show for listener calls. We're going to be following the governor's race today. We're going to explore that. There's been a lot going on. There was a, one of the more recent controversies I was reading about today, Celeste, was about a campaign ad by uh, GOP candidate for Governor Lee Zeldin and the family of a man who was killed by the NYPD back in 2018 uh, is urging the Zeldin campaign to remove footage of this man's final moments. Uh, this was a man who uh, the NYPD had shot, I think it was about eight times. They thought he was holding a gun, turned out to be a piece of metal. Uh, so that is one of the more recent controversies. But earlier this week, um, you know, in the governor's race, we had a debate, which we're going to talk about today because we are less than two weeks away from election day on November 8th. And this weekend, and we're going to talk about this throughout the show. Early voting begins this weekend. So that's why Celeste and I thought it was very important to talk about this today. And one other key thing, at the outset, it seemed as if this would be a runaway for Kathy Hochul to win a full term as governor. But recent polls are showing that this is a very tight race. The gap between Kathy Hochul and Lee Zeldin has narrowed amid concerns about crime and inflation. That's right, Jeff. One recent poll by Quinnipiac University gave Hochul only a four-point advantage over Lee Zeldin, the Republican. And there's another poll from Siena College that had her 11 points ahead, but that was down from a 17-point lead last month. So these candidates took part in their only debate, one debate, before Election Day earlier this week. They talked about crime, abortion, the 2020 presidential election, and a lot more. And it got pretty heated in case you had a chance to see it or read some of the uh, some of the accounts of it. It was it was pretty serious stuff. Um, Zeldin was out there trying to cast Hochul as being kind of asleep at the wheel on fighting crime because she won't roll back the 2019 reforms to the state's bail laws. He's blaming those for partially at least fueling the current uh, crime situation. So all of that, and certainly Kathy Hochul had some uh, some rather pointed observations about Lee Zeldin's record as well. So all of that gets us to today's discussion. Uh, we're going to be looking at the governor's race today, Jeff. And before we get to our first guest in just a moment, do want to let our listeners know that we have repeatedly reached out for the last few months to the Zeldin campaign. They have not even gotten back to us to have him on the show. Kathy Holko's campaign got right back to us yesterday. She is, and you'll be able to read about this, I'm sure, she is upstate in Syracuse this afternoon with POTUS, so was not able to participate in this. So... With that, let us get to today's guest, Alyssa Katz. She is the deputy editor with The City, and that is a nonprofit, nonpartisan digital news platform, which is dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves New York. And I, I hope you can check out The City online because they produce high-quality, high-impact accountability reporting, and their reporting is free for all. It doesn't require a subscription. That's a lot like WBAI. 
instead of charging for access, we, like they, rely on support from you, our listeners. And of course, we'll talk about that during the show, too. Alyssa previously was a member of the New York Daily News editorial board. And before that, she was editor of the New York World and City Limits. And she's the author of The Influence Machine, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the Corporate Capture of American Life. And another uh, book, Our Lot, How Real Estate Came to Own Us. Alyssa Katz, it is a pleasure to have you back here on WBAI. I am very glad to be here. So let us get right to it. The debate this week, your takeaways, what stood out most for you? What really stood out was the aggressiveness with which Lee Zeldin went after Kathy Hochul, which was to be expected, but he was um, very much on overdrive, right? Just pummeling her with attack line after attack line, almost so much that in some ways it was kind of hard to process it all because he had so many lines of attack on, on a whole host of issues that we can, we can talk about some of those. Uh, the, the flip side of that, which was that, you know, Hochul really seemed to me to be often on the defensive, not all the time. I mean, she was uh, definitely focused on trying to present her message as well, but she had to spend a lot of that debate really fending off those attacks from Zeldin, um, including you know, certainly on issues um, that he's made the centerpiece of his campaign, such as especially crime and perceptions of, uh, of crime. Um, you know, but also on, on issues I hadn't as much expected from him, such as, you know, economic development and, you know, money she was spending on different projects or, um, you know, certainly he hammered on economic themes as well, the cost of living for New Yorkers. So he came at her from a lot of different directions and she was spinning around trying to fend off those attacks. Hey, Alyssa, great to have you back on WBAI with us. Um, wanted to ask you, before we get into some of the details about uh, the topics that you mentioned, I definitely want to talk about those. Just want to pull back for one second and ask you, how surprised or not surprised are you to see at least some polls indicating that this is a fairly close contest? We are seeing these kind of close contests, you know, uh, Georgia, lots of places, Um People think of New York as this super ultra blue state where Republicans have no chance, but that's not really true, right? Look at the city and the state, and it, it just isn't the case. Just curious to know what you make of polls that show this being a, quite a tight contest. I am not surprised, and I'm not surprised for for um, the following reasons. Um, you know, Hochul has, has tried, understandably, to run a campaign that – um, really uh, hangs back and just tries to let Democrats' advantage in the state electorate just work for her. Um, you know, she's uh, taken the reins of the state at a challenging time. She's held the course. Um, things are basically going okay as we're coming out of COVID. Um, and that, you know, she has felt like she could pretty much hang back and just run on a record of continuing to um, lead New York and, 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 do so in line with the Democratic Party. The issue with that is that, you know, there are a few issues that she really has not uh, addressed to the satisfaction of a lot of New Yorkers. And certainly, um, crime is one of them, as we have had rising crime, depending on which crimes you're talking about and depending on which time period you're talking about. But, you know, we can't ignore, as, uh, you know, Errol Lewis during the debate really put to the candidates, like you can't ignore that, you know, we have more murders on the subways now and in New York City and the subways are run by the state. So what does Hobel have to say about that? Uh, and so on. 
But then even on top of that, even leaving aside the crime issue that Zeldin is really running on, we also have a lot of very complicated feelings and, and, and a range of feelings um, about COVID and COVID restrictions, which have also been a strong line of attack for Zeldin, right? This includes things like making two-year-olds or three-year-olds wear masks in, 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 uh, you know, in 3K or, or in daycare or, um, you know, vaccine mandates. Like you can make the case certainly for public health that it is necessary to vaccinate everyone, even if they've had COVID already. But, um, you know, that's not necessarily the view of everyone in New York. So she's had a number of issues that have left her really vulnerable. And I think that's what's starting to come up in the polls as people are getting to know Zeldin and are hearing his lines of attack on these issues. And, and I think on some of them, people are saying, well, yeah, that, that actually kind of makes sense. So I think that's where you're really seeing the erosion in, in Hochul's poll numbers. Alyssa Katz is a journalist with The City, and this is WBAI's Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. Alyssa, I want to ask you very briefly, um, you know, there were two people on the stage last night, and then there were two people who were kind of in the wings, and I'm wondering how much you think uh, their influence might have to do with their with the perception of this race and, and how the candidates are doing. One was Donald Trump, and one was Andrew Cuomo. And I'm just curious because I sort of feel like there's been some saddling on either part. We listen to these debates to at least try to figure out what the candidates themselves actually stand for and what they've done. I'm just curious to know what you think of the uh, the sort of influence or specter of Donald Trump on Zeldin's side and Andrew Cuomo on Hochul's side. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think Trump weighs much more on Zeldin than Cuomo does on, on Hochul, right? Because I think in, in Cuomo's case, it's easy enough to say, well, that was just this one guy. Um, Hochul had always kind of kept her distance from Cuomo. They had something of an icy relationship when he was in office. And I don't think she's been too burdened by Cuomo himself. Um, and it has really stood out on her own and been very politically successful in that, really defining herself in the basically you know, year plus that she's had to define herself. And that's been quite an accomplishment. I think for Zeldin, it's a lot harder. I mean, look, this guy, uh, you know, not only voted against certifying the Arizona and Pennsylvania results, you know, after January, you know, basically like in the middle of this January 6th insanity, but then also, you know, even during the debate, stood by this and said, oh, yeah, there was fraud. we got to be concerned about that. I mean, you know, he doesn't have to still do that, but clearly he's made a calculation that for a lot of Republican voters and maybe some independents that that's what he needs to say. Um, that weighs really heavily. I think a lot of people who might be responsive to his message on crime or inflation or anything else might have to think twice if, you know, this guy is still saying that we've seen um, fraud in in Joe Biden's election. That's that's really problematic. You know, Alyssa, what's been so interesting to me is even talking to my neighbors, and I'm surprised about how many people are not following this race. I, I feel like I'm advocating to for people to always exercise the right and just go vote. But what's been interesting is on a personal level, and the people I've talked with, my neighbors, they're very concerned about inflation and the economy. Do you think those are going to be some of the more dominant issues that sway voters at the polls? Or do you think that, that we're going to, it's going to be, they'll be motivated by crime and what's going on there and, you know, about the Zeldin's, you know, support of Donald Trump. What do you think is going to be on voters' minds primarily when they step into the, the voting booths this, uh, this season? 
Right, and I think we have to back up almost from that question when we're saying what's on voters' minds, because, yeah. of course, this election is going to be very much defined by even who turns out in the first place. You know, we've already had two primary elections this year. Turnout generally has really been limping in New York, and, you know, COVID hasn't really helped that. Um, so we have to ask what's going to motivate the people who go, right? So certainly there's going to be a cohort of people, of voters, who are very motivated on crime. There's going to be a cohort who are just very motivated to, to throw the bums out or have, you know, some sense of like, I don't like how things are going. I want to change. Um, we haven't, we should also mention, it didn't come up so much in the debate. David Zeldin had a few lines on this, but immigration. And a lot of, you know, the, the sort of what's been happening now with these national politics um, and, you know, that have led so many migrants to end up locating in New York City. Um, you know, I think that is also uh, on some voters' minds. So you have a lot, you know, such a fragmented electorate now and, you know, in the Internet era, right, everyone's motivated by something different. But I think there's a few lanes and it's going to be just general discontent, crime, immigration, um, and, that's, and I'm mentioning all these issues that are obviously Zeldin issues, right? And that's, I think, exactly the concern for Hochul and why we're seeing these numbers lag. Like, the motivation is behind, I think, a lot of people who are not happy with how things are and kind of have a very negative view and want to do something about it. And then the question becomes sort of who is the Kathy Hochul voter who's really motivated by something else, um, who's going to go in there and say, no, no, um, I well, you know, I want to see X. And I think the X that they want to see is, one, I think people are finally waking up uh, on the Democratic side to, wow, Zeldin actually could make some inroads here. He could be, it could be very close. He even, it's not inconceivable that he could win. Um, and therefore, stopping Zeldin is sort of one motivation. Um, I know Hochul, like Democrats nationally, has tried to make abortion and abortion rights uh, a centerpiece. And I think that that's... Um, Certainly, Zeldin has made that easier by doing things like seeing initially that he would appoint an, an anti-choice and anti-abortion health commissioner for the state. Um, and so, you know, she can certainly raise those issues. Um, but, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, the question is sort of what is motivating that Hogel voter? Um, I can say that, you know, she's done a very uh, astute job going around the state and promising big projects. So, of course, in Buffalo, she has the massive subsidies for the stadium there, for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, in Brooklyn, uh, well, you know, in Queens, she is saying, well, we'll build the Interborough Express train line. So, yes, yeah, so for people who are invested in some of these big projects, that's very much a page from the Cuomo playbook, right? Make a big investment in public works that satisfies the community, potentially brings jobs or other benefits. And so I think for some voters, they will um, be motivated uh, by, by those promises locally. And what's so interesting is when you mentioned uh, Lee Zeldin's uh, earlier remarks regarding the state's abortion protections, you know, for anyone who had not followed any of those earlier developments that just tuned in this week, they would have heard him say that he would not seek to change uh, right. these protections. Do you believe that? You know, I do reluctantly believe that uh, Zeldin would not change the protections only because I think if he does become governor, that there's sort of no political gain for him in doing that. Because once he's governor, he's governor. 
And, you know, he's going to have that power of incumbency behind him. And it's not a Trump-like situation where he's just constantly compelled to stoke the base because New York isn't the kind of place where he can continue to govern like that, right? I mean, I could be proven wrong, right? It could be a sort of more Giuliani effect where somebody really digs in deep (laughs) once they get in and just sort of continues to move in an ideological direction. And certainly that's part of Zeldin's makeup. But I think that I, I would see him uh, pivoting away from, from the harsh anti-abortion stance. And Alyssa Katz, before we move on to uh, maybe broaden this out to some other issues associated with the mid, with, excuse me, with the uh, election here, just curious to finally know, was there anything uh, surprising for you in this debate? Was there anything new that we learned about either of the candidates or uh, any major misstep that you think could actually affect the course of the race? No, I don't. There was, there was nothing really surprising. I think, other than you know, I, I think as I remarked at the beginning of our segment, you know, just the the um, rapid fire approach that Zeldin took against Hochul, which you know, in some ways, made it kind of almost hard to process everything he was saying because it was pretty rapid fire, even for somebody who follows these issues. But it clearly, I think, it had that intended effect of like making really throwing Hochul off guard because she is always so composed and she couldn't entirely stay that way um, when being barraged from so many different directions. Um, But she totally held her own um, and she offered no surprises, right? It was just like always pivoting back to her record um, and to really this, you know, and again, this is a very Cuomo style and Democratic Party style of governing, sort of having, you know, having a solution for every potential problem and saying, reassuring voters, we got this. I mean, that was her message over and over again. We got this. So Alyssa and uh, Celeste just brought this up a few moments ago. You know, we're looking at a number of races. I'm curious what other key races in the uh, greater New York City area you're, you're closely watching. Which are the ones that you, our listeners should pay attention to? Yeah, these are these are sort of no-brainers, right? There's, of course, in the 11th Congressional District in Staten Island and Brooklyn, you have uh, incumbent Republican uh, member of Congress, Nicole Maliotakis, who's, again, very, very much from the same cloth as Zeldin, a head of Trump-aligned uh, conservative uh, who uh, really – uh, is the only member of the New York City delegation um, who's either a Republican or a, or a conservative. And then you have her challenger, Max Rose, who you know, held the seat for a little while uh, before her election. And it's, you know, as we re- reported this week at uh, the city, uh, the website that I helped edit, the city.nyc, it's been an interesting race for Rose because even though he's a pretty, you know, he's he's a centrist for a Democrat, but he's still a Democrat and, and reasonably progressive. Um, and yet, you know, he has really stayed away from uh, embracing issues that are very important to Democrats and Democratic voters. And the example we pointed out was um, the immigrants who are coming to live in Staten Island as you know, part of the wave of asylum seekers who've come to New, to New York. They're working very, you know, the uh, Staten Islanders are working very hard to volunteer to help get them clothes and shelter and, you know, do everything they can to make them feel welcome. Um, so it's not surprising that Nicole Maliotakis is uh, not only not supporting them, but telling them that they should get off Staten Island. Um, but then Max Rose is not, you know, showing up and, and helping, you know, make sure that the babies get their diapers or, or showing up with the volunteers. He's really staying away from the issue. And specifically because, you know, in 2020, 
Um, he really got hit very hard by Maliotakis uh, for participating in Black Lives Matter protests um, then after the ki- police killing of George Floyd. And I think he's learned his lesson. You know, he lost that race then, lost his seat, and he doesn't want to see that happen again. And Alyssa, before we let you go, sadly, because we could definitely talk about this more, uh, we're going to be mentioning and going through the uh, four ballot proposals in in hopes that people will remember to flip over their ballot, get to those questions. Out of the uh, the questions on the ballot, is there any particular one that intrigues you or has uh, gotten your attention? Yeah, I mean, the one that is is the um most interested in is the Environmental Bond Act, which sounds really boring, right? But it, it would be to enable New York State to borrow $4.2 billion uh, for, for various environmental projects, including protecting, you know, it's the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Sandy now. Um, and, you know, we have so much work to do in building infrastructure to protect New York and not just in coastal areas from the impacts of climate change. And this proposal was actually supposed to be on the ballot or some version of it. Um, in 2020 and got uh, basically derailed um, by COVID. It couldn't happen then. Um, and so now this is kind of a belated effort to catch up. So that's, I think, the one to really focus on. There's also a, a bunch of uh, city-related uh, charter revision items that would uh, create a, a – basically create a, a whole racial equity plan for the city, measures of a cost of living – and a statement of values for city government. So pretty wonky stuff, but it really aimed at uh, promoting racial and social justice in the city. So, Alyssa Katz, although we remain unrelated, want to thank you for joining <laughs> us here on Driving Forces today. And uh, just remind everyone real quickly, if they want to follow you and your coverage, where can they go? Sure thing. So uh, my new site is The City, which you can find uh, online at thecity.nyc. Um, as you know, as we were saying before, it, our coverage is entirely free, and we are uh, we really go in depth into issues affecting New Yorkers and their neighborhoods. Definitely check it out. Alyssa Katz, deputy editor at The City. Thanks again for joining us today on Driving Forces. Thank you. So this, I love this conversation because um, that we asked about the ballot proposals because. I have to tell you, I keep telling everyone to remember to flip over your ballot. People don't necessarily do that. They're going in often to voting for candidates that are top of mind. They forget there are these questions on the other side and they, uh, and they are worth learning about before you step into the voting booth. Yeah. And you know what? You really have to take that time. And personally, this is something that enrages me personally. I don't think that to have an opinion on whether the state should spend money or change the way it functions or does something that is going to impact you and your family and your job that you should have to spend tons of time just understanding what the question says, whether voting yes on something actually means voting against it or voting yes means voting for it. I mean, I really think, and and there's been a lot of discussion about this over the years, but if anybody in power is listening, and I hope they are, I really think there should be uh, an even greater emphasis on making ballot questions clear and simple for everyone to understand. It's just not serving the public well to have these things be so cryptic, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. So I want to give you, our listeners, some information because in the second half hour coming up, we're going to take your phone calls, but we first want to just make sure you know about these things. Oh, and by the way, the number to write down, but don't call yet, is 212-209-2877. Early voting, that begins this Saturday. 
and it goes to Sunday, November 6th. It stops two days before Election Day on Tuesday, November 8th. Now, the hours are not the same every day. They change. Excuse me if you hear a lot of noise, by the way. I live on an open street, which is the topic this Sunday on WBAI City Watch, <laughs> Celeste. But, 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 but the hours are different. Usually this weekend, they're 9 to 5. Check online. You want to go to vote.nyc or call 866-VOTE.com. Dot, uh, dash, excuse me, 866-VOTE-NYC. If you have any questions, you're not sure where to vote. By the way, you still can request an absentee ballot, but it has to be in person. You have to do that uh, by November 7th. Return ballots have to be postmarked by November 8th and received by the Board of Elections here in the city by November 15th. Again, if you're not sure where to vote, what to do, visit vote.nyc or call 866-VOTE-NYC. And do not forget again to flip your ballot because there are four ballot proposals and we talked about them. We'll come back to them in the second half of the show. But before that, we want to do a brief programming note. Absolutely. And this is a programming note that we do every week, every show, maybe even a few times a show, because it's really that important to us. And if you're listening to this program, it's important to you. Please take a few moments today. Go to WBAI.org and give as generously as you possibly can to support this radio station. You can even become a BAI buddy and make a recurring donation once a month to help keep free speech radio alive and well here in New York. That's WBAI. Dot O-R-G. Don't forget, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. That means your gift is tax deductible. Go to WBAI.org and look for ways to donate. It costs us $17,000 a month to keep our signal alive. $17,000 a month is what it costs for us to pay the rent on our broadcast tower at four times square. We don't subject you to tons and tons of commercials here on WBAI, like other radio stations, TV stations, even uh, some websites that you may use. We do not take big money from big corporations. We rely on real New Yorkers just like you to protect free speech community radio. Please take a moment today. Go to WBAI.org and support this station. So we are going to take a short break and leave you in a moment with a song. But first, get that phone number, get that phone ready, 212-209-2877. We want to hear from you about the governor's race right after uh, we take this short break. So with that, we're going to leave you with a Linda Linda's with Vote.
Welcome back to WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and this is Driving Forces. I'm joined by the lovely Celeste Katz-Morrison each week at this time to bring you this new show about politics and policy. We are also streaming live at WBAI.org. We're going to take your call, so make sure you have that studio number. Give us a call, 212-209-2877. 209-2877. That, by the way, was the Linda Linda's vote. I don't know why, Celeste, but as I listened to that again, I, of course, was thinking of Josie and the Pussycats, which is really dating me of when I grew up. <laughs> oh my God. That is, that is going way back. That's, that's more, <laughs> that's more Stone Age than the Flintstones there, Jeff. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. Who are you voting for for governor and why? Are you not voting? Did you vote in the primaries? Do you even care? Does it matter? Does it matter who the governor of New York is? 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. A little earlier in the program, we were talking to Alyssa Katz, no relation to me, but a deputy the editor at The City, about this week's debate between Lee Zeldin, the Republican, and incumbent Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul. What did you think of that? 212-209-2877. So one of the things that you know we mentioned right before the break was about early voting starting this weekend. And there was a piece that just went up in the Wall Street Journal earlier today that I found fascinating because it noted that there's high interest in early voting across the country, and it is signaling that this year's elections could meet or possibly exceed 2018's record midterm turnout. That was interesting because here I think that in the uh, we've had two primaries already this summer, mm-hmm. and the turnout was not as high as steep as expected. But you know it's going to be interesting to see where the turnout happens, especially with early voting. Um, let me just look at that statistic. More than 13 million ballots so far have been cross, uh, cast in the general election through yesterday. And according to the journal, that is a higher pace of early voting than seen across many states four years ago. And that's according to the U.S. Elections Project. Um, the other thing, Celeste, we should just let our listeners know about, because you and Alyssa talked a little about this, but mm-hmm. what are those four ballot proposals the, you know, these are the things that if you're not familiar with them now and you don't even you walk into that voting booth, you turn over your ballot and you don't know what they are. It would be helpful to know in advance. I mean, that first one that Alyssa talked about is the major one, the green job. What is it called? The Clean Water, Clean Air and Green Jobs Environmental Bond Act of 2022. That basically would authorize the sale of state bonds up to $4.2 billion to fund environmental protection, natural restoration, clean energy projects, and more. And the three other proposals that came out of the city's racial justice uh, commission that was assembled as a result of our our previous mayor, Bill de Blasio, uh, would do things like add a value statement uh, to guide government. This is a proposal, this is number two, that would amend the city charter with the addition of a preamble aspiring toward, and I quote, a just and equitable city for all New Yorkers. And I'm curious if you're calling in what that, what you think would make a just and equitable city for all New Yorkers. Absolutely. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877. Thank you for your calls. If you're holding, hang in there. We are going to go to the phones right now, and then we'll come back to our other two proposals. 212-209-2877. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're calling from? Hello? That's you. Oh, yes. Uh, my name is John. I'm calling from New York. What's on your mind? Well, the, um, 
I saw the uh, the, the debate with uh, Hokul and Zeldin. The, mm-hmm. I noticed that um, when they asked him the question, how is he going to get rid of Bragg, which many people want, I don't think it's going to be possible for him to to come through with that promise because it's a it's a court proceeding. So some people that want to like hang their hat on just that one issue, that I don't think is going to happen. They'll probably be more able to vote Bragg out if because that that DA spot is, is by election, I believe. Mm-hmm. Then get him out by court proceeding. That's going to be right. very difficult. And and then the only thing, one of the things I do not like about Zeldin is the fracking issue. Okay, so you are you are opposed you are opposed to hydro hydrofracking. Yes, because he thinks that that that's going to like grow the economy, but I I believe it's going to do more damage to the environment than grow the economy. And then again, uh, yes, the USA is number one in uh, oil production, but it's done by private companies and it's sold on the world market. So. You know, unless you nationalize the oil, then you can control the oil prices. But they're not going to do that. So, if you had to, if you had think, and thank you for your call, and if you had to make a guess as to who was going to possibly uh, win this election, who's going to come out of this, uh, Zeldin or Hochul? Who do you think is going to make it? Oh, I think that's that's going to be a toss up. It's like too close for me to call. And again, like if you fall for the fear mongering, you'll probably vote for Zeldin. But if you are like realistic and you know that he can't get Bragg out, and if you really think that the, the crime, if he just gets, if the if they just get rid of bail laws, that'll probably make a, a significant difference in itself. But he's he's promising too much, and I don't think he'll be able to deliver. Probably just the bail laws, he might be able to do that. But getting Bragg out, that's going to be a whole different story. Well, thank you so much for your call. We really appreciate it. Sorry for the, uh, I don't know, was that some sort of a motorcycle party outside my house? 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. You know, I'm glad he just mentioned that because I was watching a number of political ads last night. I'm like you, Celeste. I'm a political ad nerd, and I had to watch them and you know, the one uh, with, about uh, targeting Sean Patrick Maloney in his race for re-election is totally focused on... Uh, on bail reform. And it's interesting because uh, in the campaign ad, they actually use a clip from a question from one of our WBAI hosts in his other job, uh, Ben Max with Gotham Gazette wow. asking Sean Patrick Maloney about uh, his stance on bail reform. So this is going to be an interesting issue in some areas to see. Uh, we'll have to see how the votes go. So we've got another call, I believe. Let's get to that next call. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Hey, guys, it's uh, Roger from New Milford. Hi, Roger. How are you doing from New Milford? What is on your mind tonight? I'll tell you what can make for just and equitable New York is the Democrats acting like Democrats, which is, instead of selling out the working people and being the party of peace, case in point, the 30 Democratic Congress people who signed a letter to the president suggesting negotiations to stop the war, take that $80 billion that's used for killing people, bring it home, take care of our own people. What happened to the Democratic Party? This is why I will not vote Democrat for the first time, I have to say, I feel betrayed. So I'm curious to know, Roger, will you vote for not, will you not vote at all? Or will you vote for a third party? Will you vote for a Republican? What will you do? 
I will vote as a protest against the Democratic Party. Because okay. yeah. until they wake up, nothing's going to change. Another case in point, uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez stated previously that she was opposed to funding war in Ukraine. She changed her mind. She votes uh, billions more dollars. Again, another betrayal. What do you think it'll take for the Democratic Party to wake up to the fact that there are some people who are not satisfied with what they're doing and feel like they're being taken for granted? They need they need to lose elections. And they're, they're taking the middle class is being trashed. These people get into Washington. If they're not millionaires when they get there, they're millionaires when they come out. The big money talks. The working people such as myself have been forgotten. My I, I have friends, their kids. They're not going to be able to uh, buy their own homes like, you know, I was fortunate enough to do when I came up because as a mechanic, I could afford a mortgage and a starter house. Working wages as a mechanic, impossible today. I think I think that's that's a really good point. Thank you so much for your call. Uh, look, this is something that that people have been talking about for a while. And I think, Jeff, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, that's how the party often figures out that it needs to change direction or that people are not satisfied. They lose elections. And then if the party complains about these things, the answer is, OK, well, you know what? Win, win elections and then you can change policy and then you can decide the direction of the state or the country or the city or whatever it may be. Two one two two oh nine two eight seven seven is the number to call. These are great calls today. Keep them coming in. 212-209-2877. This is Driving Forces on WBAI. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. We're going to go back to the phones. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello? That's you. Yes, my name is Tommy. I'm from the Bronx. What's on your mind today? Well, the last caller has a... He was on right on point because I was Democrat, and every time, like the last two or three years now, it's been um, you know the same thing. That's why Trump got in because the last four years before him was the same. You know, nothing changed, but it got worse. So they need to change certain policies, directions, because they promise things and don't come forth with, you know, so they want their votes, but they don't come forth. Like, Biden didn't come through what he said he was going to do, you know? But mm-hmm. I give Trump respect because everything he said that he was going to do, he did. And the, the economy went up. Everything was going, you know, swell. And now we are in a recession, the way it looks, you know? So, so, so if, you're, if you're not happy with what the Democratic Party has been doing, um, are you planning to vote Republican in this election? Will you stay home? Will you vote for a third party? What, how are you going to handle that? How are you going to let people think, know how you I feel I think I might go that? Republican this time because when I checked out what – the Democrats came from and did the background of it, you know, we said we pledge allegiance to the flag and not just of America and to the Republic of which it stands. So the Republicans was the ones who freed the slaves, went forth and, you know, got this country really going. 
and it was the Democrats which is from the South. So when you vote for Democrat, Democratic Party, you voting for like you know, are they like communism? Hmm. Well, that's certainly something that we've heard a lot of from uh, the Republican and the conservative sides of the argument, trying to make this case that Democrats have really gone too far to the left and that they're socialists and that that sort of thing. And and that's certainly a longer debate than we can have now. But thank you for your call. 212-209-2877-212-209-2877. Certainly don't mean to cut anybody off, but we have, I believe we have more calls to get to, Jeff. Yeah, so let us get to that next call. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What is your name and where are you from? Hello? Yes, you are on the air. What's your name? Okay. So my name is Max. I'm calling from New Jersey. Hi, Max. And I just wanted to talk about Bragg and bail reform. Basically, I think people don't get that bail reform doesn't speak to criminals. It speaks to people who have been arrested. They haven't been charged with a crime. They haven't they haven't been um, convicted of a crime. These are people who can't afford to pay for bail and have to sit in some place like Rikers until they get um, they go to court. So they're not criminals. They're not you're not putting criminals back on the street if you do bail reform. You're putting people who have been arrested, who have not been convicted, so they can go back to work, so they can go take care of their kids. They can take make arrangements if, if for their families so that they don't have everybody doesn't have to suffer. That's what bail reform does. People who have money and who have committed crimes pay bail and go home. They're no more criminal than the people who can't afford to to pay for bail and have to stay in in Rikers. And so, Max, do you do you feel like do you feel like what the things that you're talking about that people don't really understand your the point that you're making about how bail affects people who have been accused of a crime rather than uh, convicted of a crime, or do you think that politicians are using this as a way to get people sort of hyped up about something that they can do to quote unquote fight crime? Well, we know how it works, right? When you start talking about law and order and criminality. It's all those things are all like buzzwords for um, poor people, black people, people who don't have money. It's a class issue more so than anything else. And people don't understand that. They think it's a crime issue. It really isn't. Not when you're talking about bail reform. It's those who have versus those who don't have. That's a that's an an interesting that's an interesting point there, and I'm really glad you called in. Thank you so much for your call two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. This is driving forces two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. We are going to go right to our next call. Thank you so much for calling in. WBAI, you're on the air. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, I'm calling from Queens. My name is Lisa. What's on your mind, Lisa? What's on my mind is the fake liberals. You know, okay, what about them? Very safe, who, who are like, they and what about them? <laughs> like Martin Luther, like Malcolm X said, watch out for the fake liberals. The latte liberals, the Starbucks liberals, those liberals. The ones that had the fake Black Lives Matter. The money was stolen. And um, as far as defunding the police, is a very dumb idea because we need our police for protection and um, for them to go back and talk about they were slave catchers and all of that. You know, there's no slaves in court right now today. 
you know. And as far as the bail reform, it needs to be, um, they need to um, open up the crime data and let us know exactly what's going on in our town and, you know, in our area. That's, that is very important. And as far as the fake Democrats, until mm-hmm. they deal with the issues that's concerning the working people, like student loans, like um, taxing, fair tax, and also people need decent jobs. And Thank you. they also need to take care of the people that's already here, the American citizens. That's why I feel that they need to reform the Democrats. That's what they need to reform. And they also need to reform bad cops. It's not reform, get rid of cops. It's just get rid of the bad cops. Mm-hmm. Well, Lisa, thank you. Thank you for your insight on this. We're going to try to just squeeze in. We want to get another call or two in because we have to wrap up the show in about five or so minutes. Lisa, thank you so much for calling in. Let's get to another call. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What's your name and what is on your mind? Hi there. Thank you. This is Elle from Long Island. And brief comments. Number one, I think that history uh, is something that we should study and not just assume what we are told, but try to get factual backing for what we are told or what we read. Uh, And I say that for this reason. Lincoln did not free other slaves, the enslaved Africans. That's a point and a fact. He did not free the 250-plus slaves that he and his wife owned. That's a fact. I would suggest uh, Dr. Uh, Horn, Gerald Horn, I would suggest a book written called Forced Into Glory about Abraham Lincoln. That book is very difficult to find, but I know that it's out there. Forced Into Glory by uh, Johnson. It's a Johnson publication that was printed over... 30 years ago, forced into, no, about 30 years ago, twenty between 20 and 25 mm-hmm. years ago, forced mm-hmm. into glory. So, and uh, finally, uh, Professor Richard Wolf, who has done a wonderful job on BAI in explaining the economics of this country. Uh, Trump uh, did nothing to basically bring back employment or basically to revive this country. Keep in mind that one should look at the uh, facts of various bureaus, unemployment, those who are tired of trying to get a job, and the value of a dollar now in comparison to what it was to find Mm -hmm. out how badly economically this country is in. 
Well, we certainly do appreciate your call. Thank you, Al. And yeah, look, I mean, this is this is a, a perennial matter of discussion in an election season. Who's responsible for how great things are, or how responsible or responsible for how lousy things are? Can you take credit from the good stuff that you got from the person before if you're not willing to take credit for the uh, uh, the more difficult things? I believe we have one more call. We're going to keep it brief because we are running down on the clock here. But we'll just we'll do this super fast. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Tony from the Bronx. Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead, Tony. Okay, me. Listen, uh, Tony, lifelong uh, Democrat, uh, 65 years old, uh, brought up in the worst neighborhoods in New York uh, throughout, always been a Democrat. Y'all done did it. You guys have converted me. There is a need for the human to have certain basic decency structure and addition, all this pushing to the very, very, very edge of the precipice stuff that the Democrats are into, nah, pass. Y'all done did it. You're talking about a 70, 70-year-old man who grew up with Malcolm and all of them. I saw him speak as a young, young kid. My dad took me to see him. My point is there are rules to this game, and I understand everything goes and everything goes, but the other two gentlemen that said it before said it best. There are rules, and there's a point. We all want to see certain things happen, but, like, take it right to the edge where you just might fall off. Where's the structure? You know, Dem- Dems and, you know, AOC, I loved you, but what's up? Like, you know, uh, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing, AOC. So, like, <laughs> that was a uh, real cool ho- early Halloween mask, the peacenik, and then the war hawk. You know, I guess that's how that's uh, that's how she's going to Halloween as the new Warhawk psych. I fooled you. Right. OK, AOC. Thanks for making me excited. <laughs> like, you know, you thank you, Tony. I wish I, w- I, w- I would definitely be interested. Trust me to hear more of your of your views on, on current affairs and political developments here. I wish we had more time. Just want to give everybody uh, our thanks for calling in. And one more quick reminder, please go to WBAI.org. Support this station. If you like the conversations we are having with you, our listeners, if you like the conversation we had with our special guest today, Alyssa Katz of the city, then please check out the website WBAI.org. Support this station. Jeff, what do you have coming up on City Watch? Mentioned it earlier. Tune in to WBAI on Sunday at 10 in the morning. I'll be hosting City Watch. We're going to focus on two controversial transportation issues, congestion pricing and open streets. I'll be joined by the city's transportation commissioner, Idanis Rodriguez, and then New York City Council member, Salvina Brooks-Powers. She leads the council's transportation committee. But I'm carving out time in that second half hour for the phone lines because I'm sure you, our listeners, have a lot to say about congestion pricing, open streets, and other transportations. transportation issues here in the city. So with that, Celeste, wonderful to spend this time with you today. We will see you next week as we get close to the general election. I'm sure we're going to focus a lot more on that as well. Thank you so much for listening today to today's edition of Driving Forces. And and Celeste and I wish you a wonderful evening. 